there's the face. <laughs> I couldn't remember how many syllables Corona tones. <laughs> welcome back, y'all. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Corona Tones. Back in the saddle again. <laughs> it's been a day. It yeah. has been. It's, it's a been a day. day for many of us. Such a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, been a day. So wait. I, I get, so before I gather... before we get to the oh, day, though. True. Okay. 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 Let's get to the drinking because that'll make the day better. <laughs> It already has. Yes, yes, it has already. Pre-gaming. Well, actually, I, re- I really want to start because uh, my pre-gaming was with everyone's favorite saxophone duo. Um, we oh. did some uh, socially distanced um, hanging out in Jake and Sarah, or otherwise known as the Deco Ensemble's backyard, because uh, fr- another friend of ours is moving away, so we all brought our own wine and our own glasses and um and our tape measures we uh, spaced ourselves out appropriately <laughs> but the one thing that that sarah and i did compromise on is that she and i both love this one kind of champagne that nobody else drinks and i bought a bottle of it a couple weeks ago but i cannot drink the entire thing myself or it would be very bad news the next or day. a fun podcast or <laughs> a podcast. So what I have a champ- bottle. Is, what kind of champagne is it? Well, it's technically, if you want to get snotty, it's it's a Spanish brut. Um, oh. I can't remember. It's the black bottle. It starts with an mm-hmm. F, and I can't remember. Uh, Fucking champagne. And, and so and so. I like know. sex. That fair? <laughs> <laughs> That's a brand of champagne here in I guess, Michigan. I guess, I guess. <laughs> It, work, it works on a, so many levels. I would. We're telling <laughs> truths right now. Um, okay. oh my God. So yeah, I, I pre-gamed with a half a bottle of champagne, and I've moved on to ginger beer, which is a sad downgrade. <laughs> as uh, as as we as we cheers and and think about Jamie's pre-gaming, I'll go next and talk about my pre-gaming since. Um, I had a beer of some kind, honestly can't remember what, because it was followed by two and a half glasses of wine. <laughs> yay, yay. Also can't remember what. And now I'm on to my very, very best friend, the uh, blueberry wheat from Ellicottville oh, Brewing Company. Jesus Christ. I see it. Stop rolling your eyes. God damn it, Rob McClure. <laughs> Stop drinking bad beer. He has, he has a different face for me, Garrett. I just want to put that out there. I know. <laughs> you know because you have the same one. <laughs> oh, I know the difference in his faces. Sheree, wow. you are you were also pre-gaming. I'm pre-gaming. All right. I'm gonna go with the blue, Andrew. Um, so I have a beautiful glass. It's a martini glass that a friend of mine hand painted as a gift. I don't know if you can see the flowers on it. And yeah, in beautiful. that beautiful that glass beautiful. is mostly tequila on ice. But <laughs> augmenting that tequila is some pineapple juice, some blue cur- curacao. I never can say that right. Is that how you say yeah. it? Blue curacao, pineapple juice, and a little bit of sprite. And a beautiful ice cube that is that is like a plastic ice cube I got at Disney World that is changing color in the glass. <gasps> that is that is a beautiful augmented cord you have there. Thank you. You're wonderful. Oh my god. I think it's I think it's too lit up in my for you guys to see it, but yeah. Cody, what you got? I'm actually with Jamie today with the champagne, but in a different form. It's a brute mm. IPA. <gasps> From oh. Kenny Bunk Brewing Company. Brute Bros is back. Brute Bros. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Made with some champagne yeast. It's delicious. Mm. 
So, Andrew Cody, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, at Mother's Day, William, the gentleman I am dating, got us beer mosas. Nice. Have you ever had a beer mosa? I've never had a beer mosa. It really kind of tasted like a regular mimosa, but with just a little bit of more of the the kind of wheat or yeast flavor. I like a I like a michelada, which is like a beer bloody mary. But that, mm. I've never uh, had a beer mosa. Is I'm, when I'm you wondering... put orange juice in an occult forty five? Does that count as a beer mosa? Oh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> do we need to get Rob McClure a fainting couch? Is this for a beer? I'll fetch the smelling salts. <laughs> Garrett. So I have good news and I have bad news. The, oh, no. the bad. I'll do the bad news first. Please. So yes. Andrew. Andrew Cody. I was certain that I was going to have some brute IPA today. Oh man. But and I and I selected it online at one of the grocery stores here that's selling beer. And then I got a text and they were like we need dun, to dun, make dun. a substitution and I was oh. so upset. So I don't Aww. have a brute IPA. It would have been so perfect. But and none of the little breweries around here are really making them right now, so. But the good news is a very exciting development in my wife's and my coping with the quarantine is now it's the same store. Um, it's called Plum Market. It's kind of a regional high-end grocery store chain. They're selling liquor for pickup because we haven't gone into mm-hmm. any stores since March 11th. And so we were able to get, we were able to get a, a big stock up of liquor because we had very little, including Jefferson's, very small batch. Oh, so very good. small batch. I um, I approve so hard so, right now. Yeah, it's really like it's really hard not to drink it all the time. Oh, it's so good. But so good. Shana, Shana, my wife, has made it very clear that <laughs> multiple months need to pass before another bottle is consumed. Aww. So it's I mean it's, it's purchased. So um, it's either I drink it all now or I. Try to spread it out, probably spread it out until my my birthday. So yeah, does um, multiple but, mean more than two? Because you know, two is a multiple. Yeah, that's well. We only bought one, so it's like <laughs> that can't be replaced until for a little bit. So stretch, stretch it out, stretch um, it out. But yeah, it's it's very good. So I've got like a, a finger or so in this glass, and then I'm gonna <laughs> s- switch to beer. So to be totally honest, that sounds like. The way I've been tracking our toilet paper use lately. <laughs> By the finger. Yeah. We have a finger. No, no, paper it's left. like I changed it on Monday <laughs> and then again on Friday, and we're going to be out by the second uh... of June. <laughs> Have you started like with a sharpie, just marking like lines, like with no. different dates, <laughs> no, like a no. like a literally rolling calendar? No, not yet. No, but we do have a calendar in the kitchen that's like tracking how often I replace the tea in the canister, how often we replace the um, the cat food, how often we replace the t- toilet paper because we're using all of this off brand to us stuff, and I just don't know how long it lasts. We so. we've been drinking so much more coffee. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think mostly because when my wife works under normal circumstances, she goes to the Starbucks in the building like below her office. Yeah. Um, 
and and so like now we're both and it's just like it's like going so quickly and we're trying to stick with local roasters so we've been getting yeah. higher grounds coffee which is yeah. in traverse city um and also there's a wonderful roaster in ypsilanti um I don't think the president swung by on his trip to Ypsilanti today. Dog. Oh, that's right. He was here today. Yeah, he he was in my town, uh, and uh, yeah. We we I have did. major flooding in Midland, but did he go there? No, he didn't go there. But um, yeah. Rob, what are so. you drinking? Well, um, I also have a bottle of Jefferson that I just purchased Garrett once I saw that you 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 posted a picture of it on somewhere I, I sent last week I sent one on the slack yeah 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 so I went out and bought myself a bottle of Jefferson but I have two bottles to kill tonight so there you go. Night. well they, there's like there's very there's little. basically yeah, yeah, yeah. a drink left in so i know that the one in your left hand is evan williams yes because i i bought that one before yes the other one so. is a 1792 small batch super good oh that's good oh so I i'll start about, off yeah i thought about getting that one so normally when i buy bourbon it's it's at costco and they have the evan williams uh single barrel one yeah um, but I would have to go into the Costco and that's not, so it's not in the rule book right now. Have you, have I thought you, about getting the 1792. Have you tried it before? No, I have not. Okay. I have. It's so delicious. It is delicious. But if you're comparing it to Jefferson, it has a li- it's a little bit more edgy on the throat than Jefferson is. Jefferson is really, really smooth and easy to drink. It's also probably maybe three or 4% higher alcohol than jefferson but mm-hmm. jefferson is like i mean the smoothest thing in the world so you know i love your description there if i was like a yeah. uh, uh like a, a an opera singer and i was getting written up you know in the new york times i would want to have that description of the throat <laughs> edgy, on edgy on the throat a little edgy on the throat <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so that cheers everyone cheers, yeah, cheers. cheers. To the end of the school year, I have finally reached it myself. Oh, yes. Yeah, I turned my grades in yesterday. We're done. Yep. Mm-hmm. I still good. have to do Congratulations. grades, but I'm done Congrats. with the classes. That's great. They extended how long we have to turn in grades. Oh, no. That'd I, be I, nice. did not, I did not and take that extension. I originally was like, okay, I'm going to turn them in on Friday, the day that finals are done. And then, you know, singing <laughs> exams got delayed until they weren't even done until Friday. So that means I couldn't grade them till Saturday. So I graded them, of course, on Tuesday. And, uh, <laughs> and just, as one does, I'm just being a little bit more laid back about it because right? it's now beautiful outside and Finally. we're trying to take advantage of it when we're not trying to kill ourselves underneath a piano. <laughs> yeah. So back to it's been a day. It's, it's been a day. So was that part of your day? Why, why mm. it was a day? The moving the piano? Well, it's been it's been a really weird two days because, yes, we've been moving the piano, but we also had to move a ton of other stuff in our house to make room for the piano because we weren't really planning on trying to fit one in this house. It's it's a large piece of furniture. And this sucker is heavy. (laughs) It's made of walnut. Like all of it. The (laughs) densest thing. It is so dense. And... Because of the way our house was built, we basically had to stand it up on one end, which took oh, yeah. four people, uh, to get it 
past our front doorway. So I posted a picture, which most of you have seen at this point on, on uh, Instagram and Facebook today of Andrew just like stuck in our front doorway <laughs> with look. the piano. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the best 15 minutes of my day, I think. And uh, yeah, so we eventually had to call Jake from the Deco Ensemble, who was giving a concert at three. We called him at like, what, one? One. I called him and said, hey, uh, I'm here with Andrew and John Jansen, and the three of us together do not have the muscle to get this piano into this house. So uh, what you doing? <laughs> but and, Andrew, uh, I'm digging your face mask in the gloves. I just checked out the picture. Excellent. Wait, now, now, I can take credit for the gloves, which, by the way, are falling apart after today's escapade. So we bought three new pair. Uh, <laughs> but the mask was uh, Jamie's uh, invention here. Yeah. I made a bet. I made a batch a couple weeks ago, and now I finally have a restock of supplies. I'll be making more, mostly for the people who got the first batches and really like them. So uh, well, I have, well, I have an order from Andrew's brother-in-law, who's in the National Guard full time, and he said, you know, oh, this was adorable. The army and its infinite wisdom will only allow me to wear a black mask. Mm. So can you re- remake me masks? And so. I've got some for him and some for Andrew's grandmother, uh, whose friends all want them. And uh, yeah, apparently, I think my grandmother was the uh, the life of the party there because uh, all of her friends were like, "Oh, yours actually fits and is comfortable." <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So I'm using Wait, a combination. Does that mean of, you're taking requests? I would happily pay I for am. a mask that fit J- my face. J- Jamie is taking yes, requests. Yes, I am. I'm actually going to put it up for sale on the adjective website on like a private page. It's a secret. Um, it's going to be a secret page, <laughs> but if you need them, you can let me know. So I am wait, trying... you're not going to do adjective branded masks? Can we do those? <laughs> I would, okay, guys, I would have to. See, I was wanting that. Swag. All right, if if we go to Midwest this year, if Midwest actually happens, I will order yes. adjective fabric for us all. That's yes, cool. that's so great. But for Question. now, I have got like ages of old quilting fabric because I never actually have time to quilt, and I have bassoon supplies. That's why I have the wire I don't need to go any over the, the nose. So yes, yeah, like it's I got this. I got the stuff. What's up, Rob? Do you do you like? Uh, request measurements from people to make like make them to size or you just have a general like I have you're following a general template but if it doesn't fit you you can say like the elastic's a pain or this doesn't fit over my beard which I have a a long face (laughs) it's a it's a but it's a long but slender face (laughs) oh thank you you're You're welcome (laughs) we could i can send you one and if it doesn't fit then then uh i can remake and if it does fit then i can send you more i also have kids templates too but i haven't (gasps) had anybody ask for those yeah and i have i have some like dorky kid fabric that would be Mm, awesome and music nerd fabric and yeah okay so back to the day set Back to the day. The day. What, wait, so, I have a yeah. question. Was it really nerve bra- was it really nerve-wracking for you to have to like move a piano with other people and like be in close oh. quarters like that? Okay. Um no, not really. I mean, we were all masked and gloved and and very 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 cautious about how we were interacting. It was a little weird. The like the last thing we had to do was 
we stood it up on its end, but then three of us basically had to accept the weight of it so it didn't fall mm. off the cart. While one person mm. was kind of holding ropes that were securing other aspects of the contraption. And it was contraption. me sandwiched in between Andrew and Jake accepting the weight of this thing. And uh, I was like, okay, like, Andrew, I'm used to being in my space, like, literally all the time. But My apologies. I, I haven't been that close to two people in over two months. And I did, it did register to me that, like... Yeah. This is a little bit strange. And Warning. so we went Warning. we went to, you know, go have our social distanced um soiree tonight to say goodbye to our friend John who's who's uh moving in a couple weeks. And the I mean John was the one who gave us the piano. So John and Jacob and Andrew and I had all been in the same space. We were almost almost like, you know, do we need the masks if one of us has it today? All of us are getting it. And Jake lives with Sarah. So there was a little bit of a, if we're going to make this risk, we're going to do it on the day we all had to move the piano together. That was, that was my feeling anyways. I don't know about you. I think you were just worried about dying under the weight of the piano. I I had this, I had this experience yesterday where I'm building this weekend. I'm building a raised planter bed um, as an, as a anniversary gift for Shana, because our fifth Aww. anniversary is on Sunday, nice. and that is the wood anniversary. So of course, nice. Um, Look at and you. I was moving. I was moving the lumber into our garage, and our next door neighbor was like, saw me, and he was like, "Are you building a deck?" And I was like, "No, I'm building this planter." And he's like, "Do you need any tools?" And I did, and this was like a totally normal interaction to have pre-coronavirus right yeah but then like then like neither of us were wearing masks and he's like handing me this miter saw to carry Mm -hmm. to to my garage and then like we're in his garage together and i i went and and put on a mask but i didn't i was like is he gonna think i'm weird now and it's just all this whole other layer of like what you know oh another social layer this would have been this would have been like a totally normal thing you know, a year ago, and then right. like all this stuff is all this anxiety is going through my head. You know, I think what so. was stranger for me today was that we had to go to Home Depot to rent a truck to move the piano, uh-huh. and uh, you know they're they're exposed to far more people during a day. I mean, like it's it's just hitting the mid seventies right now. Everyone's there buying stuff for their yeah. yard and for their home house improvement. And, um, and the guys in the rental office, like, pick up the phone and take their mask off as if it would be easier to hear them without it. And and there's just a little bit less caution going on. And, um, you know, we're in a pretty healthily red area. But for the most part of the grocery store, everybody's been wearing masks. But at Home Depot today, I saw at least four people who were just like, I'm too much of a man for this. Dude. So, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm really realistically the only one still going out to do anything which is basically just going to the grocery and um i had to go this week and i think like this week some of the restrictions started to lessen in ohio yeah and half half of the people i saw at the grocery store maskless most of them 50 year old plus not cool for terrifying well, yeah, I, it is. When yesterday, speaking of Home Depot, so I at my original my first plan was I was going to buy a table saw and I like couldn't find the table saw I wanted to buy at any of the local Home Depots. So I'm looking at the ones that are like 20 miles away, 
30 miles. So there's one in Brighton, which is north of where I live, and but much more conservative. And so they had the table saw I wanted to buy. And it's like a 25-minute drive, not a big deal to go out there. And I called them, and I was like, oh, I, I was like, do you do curbside? They're like, we're not doing that anymore. Hmm. It's like, you have, you have to come in. That the I called like six Home Depots in Southeast Michigan yesterday, and they were the only one who weren't doing it. And I was like, this is some weird statement. Yeah, it like, is. Yeah. Everyone else is being chill. Why Probably the manager's statement. Is more... Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say, I've got a prompt, since my thing is not necessarily contributing good content, but asking questions. That's, what, that's, <laughs> that's my role. That's my character on the podcast. This is Cody the questioner. We all have a skill. It's like, can I, I throw out a question and let everybody else Some talk for half Cody hour while I drink queries. by myself? Cody queries. Ooh, Sorry, that's so a I've, hashtag. I've got a Cody query. And this can be musical or non-musical because non-musical is also fun. Um, but my wife and I were talking about this. Like, what of, um, you know, the, like, you know, what, what coronavirus is, has done and forced us. Like, what um, behaviors maybe have changed that maybe you will keep once things go back to air quote normal in the year 2027. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, well, that's that optimistic. Like, like one thing that I have is like, I feel totally fine. Um, you know, if, if, you know, we have to pay a little more for groceries, if it means that we're going to pay a full-time person to clean grocery carts after they're returned, like mm. that actually sounds like right. a really good idea to yeah. me. Like right. I'm outside Trader Joe's and someone's out there scrubbing and I'm like, that's great. Like yeah. now I have a clean grocery cart. So yeah. stuff like that. And that could be musical things or non-musical things. But that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that's floating around our head. And we're still in like total phase like negative one right now in Northern Virginia. Yeah. We still have like a thousand new cases a day. And um, thankfully we're going to the beach this weekend in North Carolina. So we're going to bring our high risk to a different state. But um, <laughs> or more we're, we're escaping our high risk for now. But I, I'm just curious to see, you know, it, especially, you know, as we're looking towards the fall potentially you know what what might stay what might go i mean i think one thing for me i when when all of this went down i had a, a bottle of hand sanitizer in my office that i very rarely used and that's been like the savior of this because you couldn't find it i mean it's still like really really difficult to find anywhere i we have like i i lucked out and kroger's had some one day so i bought another bottle but I think like post this, I'm gonna be hand sanitizing like all the time, you know. Yeah. Because I mean, the the other thing that happened like pre COVID, you know, like right around um, oh about a week before, um, a week before we went back to school in January, you know, like both both daughters. And I had the flu like really bad. And, um, you know, it was, it's just like one of those things. It's like this, the, the COVID thing is just kind of like a wake up call that, oh yeah, we should have been doing this all along. You know, there's so much, yeah. there's so much sickness, especially with two like little kids that you can avoid just by washing hands and, and using hand sanitizer if you're not around a sink and soap. So so now what, that already, that uh, that hand sanitizer bottle just lives in our car now, like mm -hmm. before you get out, after you come in, every every single time. So I already noticed that I just like whenever I come into the house, I wash my hands like yeah. mm -hmm. habitually. So 
Right. Um, what do you guys do regarding private lessons? So here's what I mean. Now, I teach high school students who, again, don't always have the best hygiene and would often come into my office. And at that point, once they'd entered my office, say, Dr. Van Manen, I'm sick today, <coughs> cough all over my desk or piano or whatever, and then say, can we please change my lesson? Well, I don't five or six years ago-ish, somewhere in that time frame, I got pretty sick of that. And I put in my syllabus that I will reschedule your lesson. Please don't worry about it. And do not come to my office sick. Yeah. Send me a text or an email. Now, most of them, 95% of them do just that. And they're very considerate. But there's always that one. Hmm. You know? So I have Lysol. I, for, for that five or six years, I've had Lysol in my office. One of our piano instructors at Interlochen said it is perfectly acceptable to spray the ebonies with Lysol. Mm. Just don't don't make them swim in it. Just, yep. you know. Mm. Which I loved hearing because yeah. I yeah. didn't yeah. know, and and so that I'm gonna I'm gonna come down on that a lot harder. I do not want you anywhere near me if I'm sick, and I will do the same courtesy for you. So mm-hmm. I remember that your office door has a has a window in it, right? Yes. Okay, and you have you covered that? So the, with the new building, they gave us this beautiful black fabric that has magnets. Ooh. And on the inside of my door, not on the outside, but if I need a minute, I can lock my door or whatever. And I can put that up as if I'm not there. Right? Okay. I is, think. Uh, sorry, sorry to interject. I'm sorry about that. Is that is that a lockdown procedure thing too, though? Yes, it is. That's where okay. that came okay. from. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think you should be a wizard of Ozing it. And just opening a little bit through the glass and being, Who you know, that? I wonder if you could like get one of those like laser, uh, th- like temperature things and like stick your forehead to the glass. You know? <laughs> Prove to me you can speak for two minutes without coughing. Right, right. Before you let, before you grant them entrance. Yeah. I think I will probably be keeping masks in my desk from now on and, and, you know there there are certain things that I'll I'll put up with um, illness wise if they want to come in and they're just like at this point I don't touch their laptops I right. I rarely touch their sketch music and um, if they come in and they're sick and I toss a mask a mask at them and I wear one myself I think I'd probably be okay with continuing but uh, you know for a couple of years I I am. My, when we welcome composition students in the fall, we usually have one day where all four comp professors and all of the students get like the same orientation every year. So by the time they're seniors, they've heard it all before. But if this is the first time they're in my studio, I have some very ominous warnings for my my group of students and one of them that's pretty intense one of them is i'm not mom don't leave your clothes your backpacks or anything else and expect clothes i had somebody leave a tux in my office once (laughs) he didn't get it for four days (laughs) was it me no it was a freshman his his choir tux had just arrived and he brought it to his first lesson after he picked it up and left it there for four days and I finally, like, I, I wasn't really paying close attention. So, all sounds of a like a hallway like, tux to me. What is this garment bag? Like, Why is there a tuxedo, Jess? Are you, is there something you're not telling me? Or are we do like, are we shifting here? <laughs> um, 
But no, this kid didn't come and get it for like four days. But there are others who leave backpacks in the classrooms and this and that. And I just, I'm the only female teacher. I'm the first woman teacher to teach composition at Fredonia. And I don't want there to be a misconception that I am the warm and fuzzy one who will return things right. and cookies. And so I said an I like to make them cry at least once in September. <laughs> and then they leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. Set a baseline of tears. You should ceremonially burn their uh, personal items. <laughs> well, I don't want to do like, that. Especially either. the tuxedo. The brand new tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. My God. But there, the other thing that is a warning is like, I expect you at every comp lesson, even if you have not composed, there's always something to work on. Except you. if you're sick. If you get me sick, you are in for a world of hurt because I am miserable when I am sick and I will spread the misery. Not the illness, but the misery. The misery. So. <laughs> oh, Jamie, if, you and if, I are very similar. <laughs> I've been thinking uh <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about um, actually a, a fun class I took in um, my undergraduate. It was kind of like a throwaway gen ed called Germs. It was literally called Germs. Like there was what? one lab. There was there was one. This there is was, awesome. It was it was a cool class, and it was it was some epidemiology, and it was just learning about germs. And the lecture was like 250, 500 people or whatever. And uh, it wasn't it was okay. attendance. <laughs> attendance was not required, but I you know I, I'd still go. And uh, there was only five labs that you were required to do, one of which was a water tasting lab. We literally tasted whether it was tap water or bottled water. But one of the, the cool labs at the end was we actually did, um, we took a like a blood auger like swab. Like we take a swab and uh, swab something, put it on a blood auger plate and see what grew from it. And so I oh, used the, um, I was a percussionist. I'm already going, ew. Oh, yeah. So I, I, well, first of all, there's poop on everything. So as long as we, as, as human beings, just accept there's poop just on everything. Everything, except like it. that's a good way to. But no, so I mean, I, once you um, have a child, you're there. Yes. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally just covered in poop right our, now. Our our yeah. our uh, soon to be 15 week old just peed all over his face today. So <laughs> <laughs> rite of passage, you, honey. You need to save that that informational nugget for a very embarrassing moment. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So anyways, so, so back swap? to. Yeah, so I swabbed um, the cymbal straps of our crash cymbals. So, like, shared yeah. percussion instruments. Leather. They found E. coli, poop, like, a whole bunch of stuff. All oh, that's on that. So, like, immediately I was like, we need to clean all this stuff. We had hands clean. And so now, like, I go into, like, a middle school or a high school band room with, like, like as a guest conductor, and I'm, like, tempted to demonstrate some stuff on percussion gear, but I'm like, nope, that's gross. Nope. Not, nope. Not gross. You need I to wear gloves that. from now on. Yeah, I think oh. percussion sections, percussionists just get some rubber gloves to, to wear that, or, like, everything needs to be scrubbed down. If you're sharing mallets, if you're sharing uh, sticks or cowbells or cymbals or any of that sort of stuff, because everything's yeah. gross. Yeah, because, wow. Everything's that... got to be gross. You know, you know, I knew this intellectually, but now in this moment, I'm thinking about it more and more. The percussion section really is the only section of the ensemble that is like, it's all your, your collectively stuff. Yeah. And you are just constantly changing instruments. Yeah. Yep. yeah it's because, I mean, and that's, and that's why percussionists die. Uh, the life expectancy of a percussionist is way lower. <laughs> Either that or your immune system is infinite that you live to be like a hundred and like 90. I, I, I love that. I love that documentary about dying percussionists called Spinal Tap. A <laughs> <laughs> real life documentary. Yeah. Hey, you know that, you know that Lego movie song? Everything is awesome. 
Yeah. 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 Now suddenly it's everything is poopy. <laughs> everything is shitty. Everything is covered in feces. Everything is shitty. Probably some pee pee. Now we have to get mechanical rights. Come on. No. No, we don't. No, Andrew, that falls within fair use. We're fine. All right. Yeah, Parody. Yeah, yeah. There's a, somebody somebody critique that in an articulate way. Go. <laughs> well, well, we already did. I'm, I'm impressed by Rob's singing voice. That was nice, Rob. Oh, thank you. That's quite good. <laughs> oh. I mean, you know, honestly, what, one thing that that right when this started, uh, one of my grad students and I, we went in and like uh, Clorox wiped down all of the keyboards and and mice and and uh, MIDI keyboards in the lab. And I ha- I have to be honest, like I had I hadn't done it since I'd been here, which is three years. So that was, there was some <laughs> filth on them, which was disgusting. And uh, now mm. that's going to be like maybe a once a month. Like once once we're like completely out of this, like there's a vaccine and everything, it's still gonna be at least once a month. Um, so wipe so everything. let me but, share this but, real quick. But I I forgot that I had this. I have students like working in there, and I'm like, fuck, I don't have to do this. Right. Let the students yeah. do it. <laughs> so that's exactly what I want to share. I, I would have been, had we finished the year normally, on my eighth annual Composers Eat Pie Day. So there's a pie oh. company in Grand Traverse, Grand Traverse Pie Company, that is phenomenal pie. And mm-hmm. I go down and I that's buy about $70 pies. worth of pie mm-hmm. once a year. Worth and it. it's five or six pies. And I bring them in. And it's the last... Um, composition seminar of the year. They have to completely clean. I mean, we move stuff, we vacuum. They have to wipe down the baseboards. I'm, I'm a taskmaster. They, ha- they have to learn to clean. I've been doing that for like eight years. But when they're done, mm-hmm. there's cherry pie, there's chocolate cream pie, there's blueberry peach, there's all the things. And so we just have an end of year celebration. But that's only been once a year. And you're right. It needs to happen more than that. <laughs> Your pie when, budget when I, is gonna go up. <laughs> when I was in my when I was in my doctorate and I guess after that too, I worked as a piano technician at the University of Michigan. And my because I was the lowest on the totem pole, um sorry for using a culturally appropriative me- metaphor there. Um I had to clean all the keyboards of every piano in the school of music, so Wow. Teaching studios, and, a lot but it of pop only tarts happened, on those keys. It only happened once a year, <laughs> and it was not sanitizing at all. It was just water and cl- on a like old T-shirt or a strip of yeah. fabric or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so I right. wonder because, like, if you think just about, to get the gunk off, yeah, right. just to get the crud off, and then if it were re- if it was if there was really bad, we called it finger fudge. In no. In between the keys, we would what we would do is we would take off the keys and we would use a razor blade to scrape it off. Yeah. Um. So that's my face might like, get stuck like this. But like it's wow! I've said like two really gross things. Honey, yeah. <laughs> you have a fifteen-week-old child. Yeah. You're kind of living in that world, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but like. Those, what, like a practice what did you do pianos. with the fudge after you scraped it off? That's no. the question. Oh, no. We'd, no. We'd, send, 
send it to no. the Grand Traverse Pie Company. Yeah. <laughs> no. That would be the chocolate cream destroy. pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but but like practice room pianos, I'm sure an incredible ve- vector for illness. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. there obviously you can clean them more, like what Cherie was saying. Like you can disinfect them, but that's just not part of the protocol on like piano technician steps uh, this is a little soapbox thing because i was a university piano technician but that's like really low priority even though it's really important work so i it'll be interesting to see how like institutions restructure the way they do things like like if faculty like what rob is saying are going to design new practices involving students or not to like keep things more clean than the other phases of what the university and music school does it probably has to do the same. Yeah. It's so interesting too, because they also like, you know, um, especially in voice faculty, like teaching health and like taking care of your instrument is such an important yeah. thing, but like that kind of health is, is something that maybe isn't covered as many places. There's actually, there's a book called playing less hurt. Uh, by Janet Horvath. She's a cellist in... I'm going to forget where. Um, but The Twin Cities. Yes, yes. So her book says that less than 10% of music education even mentions uh, musicians' wellness. And that's every aspect of it. Repetitive stress injuries for instrumentalists. We don't talk about how to avoid them. We talk about what happens once you get them. And uh, we've got a student at Fredonia who's just gone through a lot of... Um, a, a lot of she had she had to have surgery on her vocal folds. Ooh. She's an opera singer. And it was because she sang while she was sick and she didn't fully understand the repercussions mm, yeah. of, of of what could possibly happen. And it's it's I think this is, if anything, going to shed some major light on, you know, what happens when, as we affectionately call it at Fredonia, the Mason plague happens. We're yeah. all in that building 24-7, it seems. And mm-hmm. when there is a bad illness, it runs like wildfire through the building right. because we're not practicing what we are right now. You don't miss ensembles because you can't miss ensembles, which means you go and you get your stand partner sick and then they get their roommate sick and then they it just perpetuates. But I, I, for, I really believe that that will be a practice that we reevaluate. I hope so. You know, it's ridiculous. It's a bit ridiculous. Rob, what were you going to say? One, one thing we have at OU is we have this uh, entity of the uh, health center called the Shape Clinic, which is they have de- like I think three or four dedicated people to the fine arts who are like uh, basically kind of like therapists and um, you know trying to keep people trying to keep musicians in particular healthy, you know, in the fine arts, whether it be musicians or dancers or, or whatever, but in the performing arts, we have that. And also one of my colleagues, uh, Alison Sinkoff, who's a, the flute professor here, she has been doing a, um, a class recently on wellness. And, uh, that, I think that has been very well attended. And, um, so, it's it's unfortunate that you know it, it's unfortunate that it takes this to alert everyone to like hey we should have been doing this for a long time yeah definitely you know? yeah I'm also thinking about like band room floors after a rehearsal with all of the emptied mm-hmm. spit valves uh, and, mm-hmm. 
You you gross spitty people instruments. Seriously, I was say, you were be a percussionist. About... Be Have a percussionist. shit on <laughs> your cymbal <laughs> handles. <laughs> you just, were talking just spread about poop everywhere. Don't worry about spitting everywhere. How many people have played those woodwind instruments? And and one of the first things I teach when I get a mini bassoonist, um, like when I start sixth graders, we talk about why we swab the instruments, and it's not just to protect the pads because they don't care. Um, and it's it's because you want the instrument to last a long and a long time. It has to be passed from student to student. Schools can no longer afford to replace bassoons. Like, if you don't have one, if it gets destroyed because you keep eating Skittles be- before band rehearsal, um, and, and you know, the bottom rots out. Taste the then... rainbow. No. <laughs> <laughs> what if you're playing somewhere over the rainbow? Still not acceptable. Um, but but the school is not going to be able to replace that instrument without a lot of fundraising. And so if you want to have other people playing in the high school band with you, that means they're going to have to learn on the middle school bassoon. You leave them and you have to take care of it. And But still, I mean, like, how gross are we? We play each other's reeds. It's one of the, the like, rites of passage that is just disheartening. Oh, Rob <laughs> did not know this. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Okay. So the first. I'm, I'm sitting here in my house with three interlock and alto flutes and their bass flute, which is all they own because I was trying some things. And then I got the bass flute that I was playing weeks ago with yeah. you guys. Yeah. And I'm suddenly getting a cumulative case of the heebie-jeebies about what might be in these flutes that I've been trying. Well, the thing is, bassoon reads, you can't tell what's wrong with it unless you play it. So if a student says, my read's not working, I have to play their read to understand what's not working about it. So Ooh. your first time in a private lesson, your teacher says, this is kind of gross, guys, but I'm going to play your read and I'm going to fix it for you. And so this is this thing that has always happened and we kind of just get used to it. So as much as being a composer is like, ew, gross, they're going to be in my studio. Bassoonists are literally like in your mouth, basically Frenching each other all the time, <laughs> basically <laughs> Frenching each other all the time. You, you know, OK, uh, wait, there needs wait. to be a, a read to movement. I think wait, part of this wait, wait, I think the, percu- I think the percussionists have taken a backseat to the grossness. Wait, now, now, Cherie, you brought up flutes and I, I have to there's oh. this is this is a story that's going back a ways. OK, it so is, this is so <clears throat> this is from this is from my uh my late elementary, early middle school days. Um, and I, I don't I don't think anyone will be offended by me sharing this particular anecdote because it happened and everybody knows it happened. Um, but my first uh, um, music teacher who started me on the clarinet, delightful human being, but, but he was a multi-instrumentalist, primary flute player, but he played all the woodwinds. Uh, and he played I'm it really well. played waiting like for this to take a dark turn. <laughs> okay. So... So well, she, and they she brought, stabbed him with the bassoon reed. Oh man! Oh man! He so, wouldn't take the reed. A vocal through the throat. We wouldn't need to use a reed. We have knives. So so knives, notwithstanding, uh, the story actually is is about the flutes. So uh, when uh, again, his primary instrument, and uh, this this teacher. Sorry. I'm so sorry, buddy. We, we just scared a cat. Um, uh, so so this this teacher would um, 
would start their lesson and and uh, very often, as Jamie is describing, you know, uh, you, you're not really able to diagnose necessarily all the problems with uh, someone's read unless you actually can play the read. You could you could make certain suggestions that are general and very generic, but not specific to that one. Uh, so very often it's actually the same thing with instruments. And so we're b- going to borrow a page from the percussionist handbook and just share instruments. And so uh, very often this teacher would just take the flute from the young student and he had a habit of licking his lips uh, mm. before he would play. Shirin knows where Better this is sound. going. <laughs> invariably, invariably he would lick the lip plate. And... The other band directors in the school would wait outside of this teacher's first flute lessons for the inevitable, which is the flute player would come out of the office in kind of a tranced slash shocked state, uh, holding the flute at arm's length. And the band director, uh, the other band directors would ask, oh, what's wrong? And the comment was always, he licked my flute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I need to go get another drink. So coming up next that. on, hey, that's gross. We need Stories to go back to, and that was a day. <laughs> this has been like composer fear factor or something. You know? like, this has been disgusting. I thought composer fear factor was like write a Crotali concerto. Oh. And please, and please, bow the Crotalis. Come on, I'll Garrett. Tell you how many we, times I've Garrett, we survived the early aughts. Everybody has a Crotali concerto. We yeah, just yeah. call it peace for orchestra. We call it Schwantner. Yeah. Yes. This is the second podcast in a row, Rob McClure. <laughs> Okay, hey, if we had a podcast last week, was there on the some bucket concerto? Schwantner bucket concerto? <laughs> Most recent what? one. What? All right, let's go get new drinks. New okay. drinks. Tell us about the frog. Which one? <laughs> right? I don't know either. In addition to wearing his uh, safety vest lime t-shirt, which I find extremely offensive, he has now brought the stuffed frog that was supposed to be a gift four years ago for somebody. Sometimes the gifts just kind of hang out until we absorb them into our own collection. <laughs> and you know what? After this day, you need I your safety like frog. cuddle. From a stuffed frog. Can, a cuddle can frog. we go back to the it's been a day? Animals? Oh, look. <laughs> it's been a, a day. Yeah. You never really. You never we really we got heard to about us. Jamie and Andrew's day. Jesus, it's yeah. been a day. I have two things. One is short, one is medium. So, um, Garrett will know this, but I, I have been thoroughly behind uh, that woman from Michigan. Meaning our governor. Oh, yeah. Meaning our governor. Our wonderful right? governor. Yes. And she is not only dealing, as all governors right now with pandemic, but we just had two dams fail in the middle of Michigan. Yeah. And Midland it's is wild. under somewhere between seven and nine feet of water. And I mean, people are just hurting right now. So she's dealing with all of that. So I am, I am behind this person. But that said, three or four days ago-ish, Garrett, help me, help me out here. She announced... They've divided Michigan into regions, 
And Traverse, the Traverse City region, which is really all of northern Michigan above Interstate 10, basically, or not Interstate, uh, mm-hmm. Highway 10. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Route 10. Yeah, so it includes Petoskey, Gaylord, all the things up to the bridge before you go to the Upper Peninsula. Yeah. That's that's Zone 6. And the Upper Peninsula is Zone 8. They've decided that those two zones, who have we have had very little COVID in those areas compared with downstate, that we could go ahead and open. Well, everybody was, I mean, her, her end of the stay-at-home stuff is next week. And then the announcement was made that as of the end of this week, those two regions could begin opening up just in time for Labor Day, just in time for tourists. This is a tourist area that I live in. Yeah. It's the tourist mecca of Michigan. And I mean, we're getting, we're already getting slammed with people. So everybody's a little nervous, a lot nervous about all this, as you might imagine. So that's, it's been a day one. I went, I went for a walk with my daughter in a place called the Sand Lakes Quiet Area, which is some beautiful hiking trails out by some lakes, fairly off the beaten path. You kind of have to know it's there. And the tourists are here. Usually I pass nobody or maybe one or two other, you know, groups walking along. folks, folks from... Downstate Michigan? I don't know where they're from, but, but you know, if I usually pass nobody to four people, I must have passed over 100 people today. Oh, my God. In wow. an area that is not usually known unless the tourists kind of know about it. So that's, it's been a day number one. Um, it's been a day number two. I have a student who shall remain nameless. Classes ended on Tuesday. When we decided to have students have homework due, we made a generic kind of decision at Interlochen that all arts class assignments would always be due on Mondays at 11.59 p.m. and all academic things would be due another day and all math science things would be due another day so that we're not encroaching on each other and causing undue stress for students. And it was easy to remember. Really thoughtful. You know, it's easy to yeah, remember. Yeah. So my assignments are always due Monday night, 11.59 p.m. So I had made numerous emails and announcements in the LMS system. You know, you know, you all do it. I don't know how many times I had said, don't forget, your assignments are due this Monday at 11.59 p.m. Don't forget, there's only five office hours left. Don't forget, there's only three office hours left. All the announcements, all the things that we all do. And yesterday, the day after classes ended, somewhere around 5 p.m., the day after class has ended and after you're, you're done for the day, I get an email and a phone call from a parent saying, oh, no. can we please talk about the four assignments my child has left to turn in? Oh, <laughs> no. Now, I did not respond to this. I, I received these things, but they, you know, they came to my voicemail. They came to my email. I didn't respond until this morning. So this morning, about 930, I sent a reply. I tried to call the parent and I said, uh, I'm happy to talk to you all day, but I will be out of cell phone range from noon to three because we were going to the Sand Lakes Quiet Area to go hiking. Right. But any other time of day, you can call me and we can talk about this. The response was, okay, I'll call you then. What is that? And, and all of yeah. you just made the face I made, which was like, did yeah. you read my email that said this is when I'm not available? So at 1210 precisely, when I said I was not available, I get the phone call. I did not take yeah. the phone call. 
Good. Um, Boundaries. And about Boundaries. about an hour later, I get a text. Oh, I just saw that you're not available. Well, I just want to talk to you about the four assignments that my child still needs to turn in. I'm trying to teach my child to follow through and finish things. And I'm like, honey, should have finished things two days ago at 11.59 p.m. <laughs> so today. Oh, I like you. Today, I <laughs> I mean, it's not hard. Every other kid figured it out. Um, you know, but but on Monday, on Monday, this was my job. Yeah. On on Today, Thursday, I don't you really know what's care. not my job? That thing, that thing, oh dealing God. with this thing. But I talked. Oh, I talked to this mother, and to my chagrin, I made and it. But she led with this, and so to her credit, she led with this. I know that you may not accept this as any kind of change of grade. I know that it's too late for that, but I want him to finish this. So with oh, I like that, so with I like that, that lead yes. in, I agreed to spend an hour with the two of them in a Zoom meeting next week because she she said, I don't know enough about music to help him with this and I need to know some things. <laughs> but oh my God, That's it's awesome. been a day. Yeah. 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 So, well, I mean, luckily, for the most part, at the collegiate level, we don't get parent phone calls. True. Um, and I spent I spent the first two years out of grad school working for a youth orchestra. And that, I mean, it was youth orchestras. It was a system of orchestras. It was three, three at of least, them. Right, yeah. With 240 kids, which means about 500 parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my whole week was quiet until Monday at noon. And then I spent eight hours straight answering emails and it was stuff that i'd already announced it was stuff that had been covered in other things it was and i totally get it you know like johnny doesn't always convey the information from from yeah the, the director at the podium right yeah or, mm -hmm. yeah the director or me i made announcements every week in all three orchestras um I, and i get it but my first my first adjunct job i was like cool okay these are Young adults. Young, but adults. Yep. So I was working off of somebody else's syllabus. It was a composition for non-majors class. There's only like five kids in it. So the bookstore had made a mistake. They had forgotten to order my books. And they're just the little rinky-dink, like, orchestration book. The um, essential guides. I love oh, those Oh, I know what you mean. Those they're are like, great. Look, yeah, they're almost like little seven pocket bucks. guides. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're $7 each. We required all three of them. The notation uh, guide, the dictionary, and I think the orchestration, orchestration. Yep. guide. Um, but I think the option to get the fourth one. I think there is a fourth one. But anyways... Um, the bookstore still hadn't gotten them by like the third week of school. And I said, guys, it's $21 combined. Just order it on Amazon. And then not only did I get a, a phone call from a parent, but they called my supervisor. That's just rude. And if this, if, if the Karen cliche had existed 10 years ago, I would have used it, but I went into my next class with them. Like that was, that was the start of, of professor Sampson is not mom. Yep. You are adults. You handle your shit. I will not speak to any of your parents. Um, I guess, it, I mean, and it was, it was a fair situation. Their scholarship gave them money for books. They could only buy them through the bookstore. And so by me overlooking this, yeah, of course. Sure. But you talk to me about it. You, you do not communicate. Yes. go from 
this is an inconvenience but to Mom. dialing Karen. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It, that was that was that was another day. That was a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yes, it's it's been a day for my wife and I. Um, she is still, you know, uh, not nine to five, really eight to fiving. Um, I am trying to like the summers are when I do my creative work, you know, like I know that perhaps my parents wouldn't, uh, you know, recognize that as my time, but, Mm. um, I do. And my wife does too, to her credit, like, you know, she, she understands that, just because I'm not teaching doesn't mean I'm not working. Oh, um, amen. Yes. That always and takes a special person. I, I, it, all of us know does. that. That's, yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as you can imagine, so while it might be beautiful in New York right now, Ohio has been raining for days. Oh, that's, and there that's is no, there's no let up for days. So we're not getting outside. We're trapped in the house. I mean, like even more so than just COVID trapped in the house. Like can't even <laughs> right, go right. out in our garden or on our back deck or anything. Right. Um, the children, <laughs> aged four and six, are they're they're beginning to. Uh, we're feeling it. Um, mm. They, you know, like, first of all, our, our youngest one, she, if we're not careful, she could easily be like, you know, hardcore introvert, which is not a terrible thing. But at the same time, it's like she really responds to being around other people. But she can easily like, okay, well, I'm just going to go and uh, be by myself for 12 hours at a time. So we want to, you know, like, you know, we, we a little bit we've got to, you know, make sure she doesn't develop into this psychotic loner, um, which <laughs> is a parental balance. fear. Balance. You want balance. Yeah. You know, yeah. Balance. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. They're called composers, parents, Rob. Shut up. Oh. <laughs> Parents have in very important jobs to society. Thank you for taking your job seriously. Yes. Anyway, so that's one thing. The The six-year-old, you know, she, tomorrow is her last day of in online kindergarten. And Aww. yes, it's so cute, isn't it? Until you have to sit with her and try to get her to write sentences, mm. which you say, let's think about this. You know, what do you want to say? She says it, and then, okay, write that. And then she looks at you, I don't know what to write. Jesus Christ, yeah. I am a college professor. I am not a kindergarten teacher. Can I, wait, can I pause that for a second? Because that statement, I don't know what to write. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all heard that as composition teachers? <laughs> yes, but when you answer it, you're answering it to an 18 to 22-year-old. Yes. And Not there are only 12 fucking notes. Pick one. Yes. <laughs> sorry if I made Not you need 20, to believe. Not 26 Microtonality, man. Sorry, sorry. I overlooked microtonality. My bad. So it's, you know, and because my wife is like, she's on the clock. Um, she's mm-hmm. in, in uh, you know, uh, meetings and, and doing stuff. Like, so I'm... 
I'm the default, you know, kindergarten teacher at this point. And, you know, it, it like, I, I try to understand, like, she's only six years old. She's not developed, blah, 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 blah. I try to understand that and, and internalize that. But it's just, it's hard, okay? Being a teacher is hard. And, you know, I'm I'm not the first, nor will I be the millionth person to say that <laughs> fucking primary school teachers and secondary school teachers should make more goddamn money. Right. Oh, totally. Because it's, it's hard. It's hard to teach that age level. Anyway, so mm. that's, you know, that's compounding the fact that they are bored. Yeah. Oh, my God, are they bored. And they're <laughs> crazy. Now, can I ask a quick query? Are they out of school yet there in Ohio with you or, or no? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Um, they're bored and they're craving our attention, we, which we just can't give to them. You know, and it's like that that just breeds horrible behavior. So at at one point today, I was downstairs. My my office is down in the basement. Kate is heroically working in the living room um, because that's where they are all the time. And mm-hmm. she's she's trying to work. And I'm, I'm hearing this under my headphones. I'm hearing her. Guys, you have to stop. I need to listen to this two or three times. And finally, I go up and I just whisk them up to their bedroom, put them in their bedroom and say, you cannot come out. Sit on your beds. And then I walk downstairs again. Something happens. Probably the big one said something mean to the small one. The small one starts crying. <laughs> and I go back up and very terrible parents of me i just erupt and like slam their door like the house shook from this you are a big you are a big imposing figure i am and then later (laughs) later in the day kate erupted at them it's just probably more terrifying i'm just gonna put that out there yes it is terrifying (laughs) almost terrifying for me too like after that <laughs> happened, I said, "Hey, Kate, why don't we go talk in the kitchen for a minute?" <laughs> and we both walk in, and she's like, "I think I scared them." And I'm like, "I know you scared them." <laughs> well, Rob, oh, I, I I have to jump in here because that is so encouraging to hear that I'm not the only no, you're not uh, parent in COVID right now. That's like uh, so. First of all, um, to jump kind of, I, I have like all of the points that you just mentioned. Yeah. That I want to hit at some level because so I have a, I have a three year old and a newborn. And uh, the three-year-old has been continuing Zoom classes with his preschool. And yeah. on the second to last class, How is that <laughs> it's been interesting. Eight kids running around showing. Yeah, it's it's not a thing for very long. But so I, I got uh, voluntold to um, do music for the second to last Zoom class, which I have oh. to tell you the preparation leading up to a preschool Zoom class was probably the most nerve-wracking musical performance of my entire career. <laughs> nice. Like I was like, well, we got to start with some of the hits. Like we got to do that, but we got to do something to keep them interested. So you know. But anyways, a long story short, like that. Yeah, the the preschool teachers, the 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 amount of patience and focus and all that is just unbelievable because the fact that like my son is more intelligent than he was going in there and out of there when there's just complete and utter chaos all of the time. 
uh, going on is is just beyond me. And then the other thing, just with the parenting move, like we're doing our best. Like my wife is keeping it together much better than I am, and she she her maternity leave ends in like a week or two, yeah. and so that's going to be real interesting. Thankfully, she works part time, but um, she's the kind of person that works part time, but she just does a forty hour a week job yeah. in the span of twenty hours, and so yeah, so that's going to be yeah. really interesting transitioning back there. But like we just had a day the other day because our daughter is really tough, uh, our newborn daughter, um, and just is just crying a lot and oh, is dealing yeah. with stomach issues and reflux oh. and all that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was that just was one of those our first. Where, yeah. Uh, so, but we finally just hit a point because, you know, my wife is, it's like 1030 at night and my wife is like frosting a cake for our three-year-old's birthday. And, uh, like the baby's downstairs, like we're hoping like desperately, okay, the swing is usually the magic solution and she'll fall asleep and it wasn't working. And she was just crying mm-hmm. and screaming. And we're like, well, she's crying and screaming in a different room. And she'd be crying and screaming in our room if she was here, and it's slightly less making me want to kill everybody. So yeah. let's just <laughs> seriously let's like just let this one ride for a little I bit. I actually seriously. really kind of believe in that. Let them cry until they yeah. stop. If they're not hurt and they're not hungry and they don't need a diaper change, let them cry until they calm down and they learn that that you're not going to run there for everything. And I somebody's going to lambast me, but I believe that. No, yeah. no, like I, we totally subscribed to that for our first and we did the cry it out method for her and by, she was six months old and sleeping through the night every night. Um, and it only took her like a week to learn that. Our second, however, who is a, a million times more stubborn in every single way, <laughs> so it takes after um, you did not describe <laughs> that. Yes, probably. Um, did not subscribe to the cried out method. Did not subscribe to our potty training method. Doesn't subscribe to any level of our motivation. So it's like, it's like we we learned all this stuff with our first one, and I know that everyone says this, but then our second one is just the complete opposite. We have no skills. We have Different nothing book. to Different draw book. on, and it's just like, <laughs> God damn it, we're fucking like you know imbeciles trying to get this child to do something we have it's kind of like getting yeah it's like you got a bachelor's degree in like political science and then you're like oh well i'm just gonna get another bachelor's degree in political science and it's like nope nope biochem yeah exactly Exactly. that's exactly right so i came up with this theory when i was teaching middle school band uh band bassoon lessons um i used to do group lessons and I had four students every year, two in seventh grade, two in eighth grade, and there was the first group I started as seventh graders. By the time they were halfway through their eighth grade year, there was nothing happening in bassoon lessons. They would come, they would sit, they would stare at me with a sourpuss on their face, and it was just like, it was a mood the whole time, and that wasn't even a phrase yet. (laughs) And we got to the week Two weeks before Thanksgiving and they left their lesson and the band director was like, well, how was it today? Is it getting any better? Can I talk to them? And I said, honestly, they just need the eighth grade equivalent of a nap. Like emotions are hard no matter what age the child is. There is a ramp up, a ramp up, ramp up, ramp up. They need a nap. They need to break that mood. (laughs) And then they're going to come back and be fine. So they had their vacation, which is what I referred to as their nap. Mm -hmm. They came back. And between Thanksgiving and Christmas, they were suddenly sweet as pie, which I didn't trust at all. 
<laughs> and then well we spotted. started all over. We started all over in January. We ramp up, we ramp up, we ramp up. They get super cranky and emotional right around two weeks before spring break. I want to quit my job. <laughs> I don't want to play their bassoon reads. I don't want to fix their bassoon reads. I want them to sound like crap in band. <laughs> I want a reason to get fired. And then they take a break and they're sweet as pie again. And I'm like, okay. All right. So, right. so with that story in mind, I'm going to share with you something that I stole from a friend of mine that some of you guys may know, Scott McAllister. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Scott's a phenomenal composer. He and I went to Rice together. Hmm? Rice. Um, Rice. Rice fight never die. Blue gray in the sky. <laughs> Stand cheer. Drink more beer. Go go go. Is that Rice. is that really the Rice cheer? Sure. Sh- totally didn't know that. When I was <laughs> were you an under? You weren't an undergrad there. No, I was a master's student. I didn't give it. Any. Yeah. See, yeah. grad right. students don't know this stuff. Only undergrads yeah. know it. Yeah. It's Michael. Yeah, you don't have the authentic. you all don't have the authentic experience like I did. So. <laughs> I, I'll just do the sick and I'm fine with my experience, by the way. <laughs> yeah, me too. But so Scott and I—he was doing his doctorate, I was doing my master's, and we've kept in touch all these years. And I don't know, ten years ago, we had a conversation about this, and I thought this was bloody brilliant, so I adopted it. And it goes like this: when he has a graduate student. He doesn't really assign them a lesson time. He says, here are the hours that I am just in my office. And whenever you need to come work with me, whether it's once a week or four times a week, you come work with me. That's on you. Yeah. Now, I mean, most of the time it's not four times a week, right? But it's, but it's, so he puts the onus on the graduate student to have material ready to go and then to come see him whenever that might be. And he says, here are the hours I will be available to you. So I changed that a little bit for high school students. I'm not about to give them that kind of leeway. Right. But I made it like this. It's it's exactly what you're saying, Jamie. It's the week before Thanksgiving, and it's the week before spring break. I do mm. not teach any private lessons. I teach mm. open lessons. And I say, mm. I want to see all of you at least once, but you may come as many times as you want, and here are the hours you may come. <laughs> and so sometimes they come in, and it's just the one kid and me, and it's just a private lesson. But most of the time they come in and there's two or three kids and we all share what they're doing and they love this. And they, they really get into what everybody's doing and then they might come back again and it's a different set of people. And they can come as many times as they want and it shakes up that mood that you're talking about yeah. that week yeah. before Thanksgiving and that week before spring break. And I got to tell you, it saved my life for the last four or five years now I've been doing this. You know, a couple of years ago I had this idea and I really still want to do it, but once, I don't know. At, at some point somewhere um i want a week every semester where you take a lesson from any teacher in the school Ooh. i don't care if you're a composer and you take a lesson from a saxophone teacher i don't care if you're a flute player and you take a violin lesson not on the instrument but with somebody who will break your perspective yes. in what you are taking lessons in because Just a music that's lesson. very good that is such that, that is such that, a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. I have wanted to do that for a really long time because some of the most informative composition lessons I've had are in saxophone master classes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've always wanted to do that. I think I think we have so much to learn uh-huh. from other people and they're the older there's like this older stigma of you study with one person or you study with your team of Blah. people. And right. uh, when I used to ask other other um, professors in undergrad and grad school, if I could have like one lesson with them, they'd be like, well, I don't know that that kind of 
conflicts with what we do here. You are this person's student. I'm like, I'm not this person's anything. I'm sorry. I, who who possesses me? Get off the horse. No. I get what I want. I'm paying. I'm not sure where the horse came from, but generally I like that. I I just want to Is it a high the... horse? It was it was it could have been a high horse. Okay. Except it really wasn't. It was just a horse. Garrett, what were you Garrett, you've tried to I chime was gonna in. Say that... I, I want to keep talking over you, but now I'm ready for you. <laughs> no, it's a... Just kidding. Look, if, you, if you've learned anything from the, what, half dozen podcasts we've done together since the world ended, um, <laughs> I will keep talking. Uh, you will. You Even really if will. you try to talk over me. So. Um, I just wanted to say, I one of the most powerful learning experiences I had as a as a graduate student was a master a vocal master class mm. oh my with god yes. Jesse Norman oh my god yes. I'm jealous of you she was amazing but it was all about it was all about clarity it's like what are you doing to make this clear and and I think even on my old blog I like wrote a post about like what this means for me from a perspective as a composer like am I doing everything I can to be as clear as possible in this moment. And that was amazing. So I think there's a lot, I mean, may she rest in peace, Jesse Norman, obviously we can't have a masterclass with her now. And she was an an incredible person, but at an incredible musician at what, at being a vocalist. But I think there's so much to gain from other people's perspectives in, in terms of their discipline both in terms of how they do their craft and then what their craft is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a fabulous idea pedagogically. So. I mean, that's all. That's all. Andrew Cody, you can talk over me now. Okay. Except. So. I mean, I, I, yes, I, I did have my hand up. Um, <laughs> Your hand. You've been learning from that kindergarten class. Rob. That kindergarten class. Honest, excellent. Honestly, on my, on my feed, uh, I only see Cherie. <laughs> what? Like, I'm not seeing. Yeah, you don't see the the, video, the, the video for yeah the video for Jamie Andrew Rob and Andrew Cody has disappeared. So, well, that's so weird. the only time wow. I ever talked over Rob was like it was one of the Overdrinks <laughs> podcasts, and I asked everybody what they were drinking, and Rob was like mortally offended. He was like, "Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's Andrew's fucking podcast now." <laughs> oh my! I remember, I remember that one. Throw down. Sorry. Oh, rare, I love a rare it. Rare curse for me. I love it. No, I mean, <laughs> I it's it's a muscle reflex at this point um, that that I do the asking. Not necessarily true because I I've said from the beginning anyone can can take the reins of the podcast at any point and I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, but we don't want to edit it, and that's the problem. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Yeah. But I did have I did have an idea before we started because Andrew and I got here way too early, um, and he is obsessing over a new book, and I think we should do who's it by Fred Lairdall. Oh God, I I was gonna say take it or leave it after that. But, you know. <laughs> Anyways, I think we should do a Lexical Tones book club. Ooh. Okay. What am I looking at? There? I don't read books. I Ooh, only manuscript read paper. academic articles. Well, fine. And that's we not can a do joke. It. And we can 
That's do it. some episodes that are academic articles if we want. I only I only no. read uh, Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> I love it. What the are fuck you doing? I'm sorry, I going I to do say? Read, I it's do my new pencil own, case. It's Kate Spade, and we're showing random crap. So I thought I'd throw Rob, it up there. Rob, what were you going to say? <laughs> sorry, Rob. I still blame I have Andrew no Cody for interrupting you. What I was going to say. <laughs> And Elmo's, and Elmo, <laughs> Elmo Jesus Christ, died. all of this is getting cut. <laughs> Good, because I need to excuse myself from Who was talking last? What were, what were you saying? Garrett, I think, I think you, you were, were trying to say something. I, I understand. I finished, I finished talking. No, but what were the you Jesse saying? Jesse Norman thing. Jesse, Jesse Norman. There it is. I Thank was you. talking there about. No, yeah. wait, hang on. Corona tone. <laughs> Are we starting over? Oh, oh, okay. I got it. 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 We were talking about master classes. Garrett, he has people. it. Stop. Yes, I, oh. I got it. So, Jesus wait, Rob. Christ. Do you get it? You know Private lessons with your English teacher. What? Probably one of the most profound experiences I had was at Rice. And as a composer, rise, fight, never die, blue, gray, <laughs> in the sky, stand, cheer, drink more beer, go, 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 rice. Caw-caw! That's not a rice thing. It sounds better than hoo 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 hoo. Roo roo. That's anyway, I'm gonna tag Rice and <laughs> all do. and all of the Rice Twitter accounts <laughs> when this gets posted. So. Oh my God, Andrew Cody has left Twitter. the building. <laughs> Rob anyway. is going to lose it. Anyway, <laughs> one of the most- it's so great that I can't see his video feed right now. I should just use this, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of the most <laughs> profound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Adjective giggle. Got the giggles. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the one of the, my most like uh, profound educational experiences as a composer was actually taking a modern uh, a modern art class um, at Ooh. Rice. You know, in the doctoral program, they they tell you like you have to take. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Boil and bag brown rice. I got it. Um, <laughs> you you have to take something non-musical at some point in the doctoral program. And that's such a great idea. It yeah, it's it's a fantastic idea. Now finding that class because it has to be like over a three hundred level. So you have to find a class that is for juniors or senior undergrads. But it's still outside of music, so you, you you have to possess some kind of something to get into that class. But anyway, I I took it with a absolutely wonderful professor, um, whose name I can't remember anymore. <laughs> oh, Marsha, I know it's Marsha. I can't, I can't remember the last name. God damn it. That's right. I'm gonna feel Use bad the internet. If I don't. Use the force. Use yeah. the internet. And Google, yeah, we are I'm googling. I'm, we are googling. We are googling. I can see Rob right know. now. Jamie's peeing. I think. I don't know. <laughs> Jamie has moved the background and is fixing her headphones. Andrew, Marcia, I, I got it. Still. I got it. I got it. I got I it. It's Marsha Brennan. Here. Rice. Anybody? Uh, 
<laughs> I went to my pantry. I like went as fast as I humanly possibly could. And so you, that the rice talk, and you picked Although I didn't have rice. to go fast. I, the rice talk would have just kept going. It's totally fine. <laughs> for, for a sight gag on a podcast. Well done. Anyway. <laughs> ex- the goal is to make you laugh. Wonderful, wonderful professor, Marsha Brennan. And um, she actually served on my uh, dissertation committee because I, I loved her so much. But basically, like the first week of the class, she she brought me into the office and she was like, look, you're a doctoral student. I'm not going to make you do the bullshit that undergrads do. Why don't you come up with a project that you want to do from this class? And that will be your work for the class. So I took that as like okay i'm gonna make an audiovisual installation type piece yes and and i did and it was but being in that class and learning about all the artists like post 1950 oh my god that changed my life in such a profound way from that point onward it changed the way i think about composition i changed the way i think about art it changed the way i think about like nearly everything and it was so informative and it's like this speaks to the whole like you're a composer go to a vocal master class go to a saxophone yeah. master class go to anything yeah. other than i mean go to the composition things obviously yeah, but that, that also do happen. that other stuff that but, but that the biggest is, problem is if they do all the composition things a lot of times they have no time to do the rest and i love what you're saying and we need to build it into our curriculum in some way yeah yeah exactly yeah and yeah. that's the one thing that the, the 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 one really good thing that i mean not the one thing but a great thing that rice did it built it into its curriculum that you must take something completely out of music you know and yeah. use that as an opportunity to further to further your own artistic thinking you know like I I took an art class, some uh, or, or an art history class. Some people take like you know architecture or whatever, like whatever they can get into, whatever they're interested in, that will inform them as an artist going forward. And I just thought I just thought that was so brilliant, and it it, it changed me in in a in a really really big way. On the negative side of this, when I was a doctoral student, I had finished all my coursework. I had finished all the oral and written exams, and all that was left was the dissertation. And I didn't realize, I just didn't read the handbook properly, but I didn't realize I had to be taking a class as long as I was working on the dissertation. I thought, Uh, and and keep in mind, at this mm -hmm. point, my daughter is nine months old. So I'm like, yes, I'm done with coursework. I'm done with all the stuff I have to do. I can just be at home with her, and I can write my dissertation, finish it up, and be done. Well, three weeks into what is the normal fall semester, I get a call from the head of the music department, who was also my private composition teacher, David Ashley White. And he says, "Uh, we got a problem here. Why are you not enrolled in a class? And my response was, what, what now? You know, and so then he explained the handbook and you always have to be in a class. And so, Rob, you took this wonderful class that informed you. And his response to me was, you can take anything including basket weaving. You just have to be enrolled in some class <laughs> so that you are legit working on your doctorate. I'm a tennis player. I'm a pretty good tennis player. My partner and I, two years ago, 40 and over, we were the number one doubles team in the state of Michigan at our age. Woot. So I don't wow. suck at tennis. So I decided Woot. I would take beginning tennis. I just love this story. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. I, I had a baby. I'm so impressed. I had a baby. I didn't have time. Although I love Rob's story, and Rob's story is the right way to go. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but with a baby, I didn't have time for this. I needed yeah. to take something that I could just ploof, you know. So I show a blow up, off class. You better believe it. So I show up for beginning tennis, and whoever the instructor was, I don't know, says, "Okay, this is how you hold a tennis racket." John McEnroe. No, no not <laughs> I wish. So he says, "This is how you hold a tennis racket. This is how you hit a ball." And all the people are like dropping the tennis ball, like bouncing it, trying to hit it. And he he says to me, "You haven't done anything yet." He said, "Drop the tennis ball and hit it." So I go, "Kabam!" Okay. And he looks at me kind of funny and he said, I want you to go wait over there on that court. So he gets the beginning class started doing something. For the rest of the semester, he and I just hit. Uh. <laughs> it was like the best thing ever. Until I got to the final exam where I had to write, take a written exam on all the USTA rules. And I was like, damn it, I have a 4.0 GPA. If I screw this up and I don't know all the USTA rules, I could screw up my 4.0 GPA. So at that point, he said, he said, you know, you can take it pass fail. And I swapped to pass fail. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So what's crazy, though, about I'm going to tie together tennis and like this sort of approach to um, multidiscipline, you know, uh, learning. But like um, one of the most famous books, uh, not necessarily specifically about tennis, but about the art of coaching is The Inner Game of Tennis. Oh, yeah. Right. By uh, Galway. Um, and that book, uh, you know, which I cracks me up because it's sold like millions of copies was originally printed that they wanted to sell, you know, hopefully 20,000 right. copies because they right. thought it was a way of solving tennis problems and focus yes. specifically on right. tennis it's just a niche, right? It's just a niche, right? It's all about finding ways of coaching, uh, the coach that's inside your head. That's you right. Know, which, you know, impacts so many performers and so many composers because once you can get the coach inside your head to switch gears, yep. you know, and, everything can And do you guys know you. about the inner game of music that was written as kind of a spinoff on this? And I wish I could remember the author. But but he even said 20 years after the inner game of tennis was written, he whoever the author of the inner game of music was said, you know, I read the inner game of tennis and it was spot on for all of us, but I wanted to write something specific to musicians. Barry Green. Hmm. Barry Green. Thank you. Yeah. We actually, in my my grad school musicians and wellness class, that is where I got Janet Horvath's um, playing Let's Hurt book that we talked about earlier. Um, the two required texts for that book were actually The Inner Game of Tennis and um, Zen and the Art of Archery. Oh, yeah. That's a great yeah. book, too. Yeah. Those were the I only that two book. required yeah. texts. And have you heard of a soprano on her head? It's along these that lines. I have not heard. I've got it sitting on a bookshelf somewhere, but I'm not going to walk away. But it, but it's along the same lines of letting go and allowing things to happen and not trying to control mm-hmm. so tightly everything that you do. You know, it's yeah. changing that inner coach. Yeah. Yep. Except for, Rob, what's the line well, about the I, throat for the soprano? It's, pretty, it's an edgy throat. <laughs> the edgy throat. Ed, edgy on the throat. I, edgy on the throat. Just trying to make all the I podcast think it's interesting, lines. Like, get, yeah. It's ahead, a callback. Sorry, I was talking over you, when like I, always. When I, no, it's okay. I can't see anyone but Cherie, so... <laughs> and she's just left. <laughs> but uh, this makes me think of when, when I worked as a piano technician at 
the University of Michigan, something that I brought up already, um, I would reflect a lot on, like, what that practice of, like, working with my hands and, like, doing things in a physical space had to do with composing, because composing can be so overwhelmingly abstract. Like, what, what does it mean, like, when you are leveling a keyboard on a piano hmm. where you put these very specifically sized paper discs underneath the felt pieces that go on these metal pins that help the keys of a piano connect to the action of a piano. I did this on George Gershwin's 1933 Model A piano that was donated to the University of Michigan. So Holy that's crap. why my signature is inside the that piano, but um, again, <laughs> I was not a very successful piano technician, and I can't see anyone's face except for Cherie's. So sorry, man. I hope you're enjoying this anecdote, but um, we're captivated. At any rate, like, hey, I at least it did was my very hair interesting. Today. Like, yeah, it's wonderful seeing you, Cherie. So, but it's like very interesting having having another practice that is like extremely physical and has these physical limitations to it, just like playing tennis or or um, considering art in another medium. And I think that's a really good growth experience to have as a composer, because it's very easy to get overwhelmed by the abstraction. Yeah, can I... Can I just say that, that this this ties back into a thing that I, I believe wholeheartedly. Uh, what's the Jackson Pollock quote? Uh, uh, it's all a game of construction. Some people use a shovel. Some people use a pen, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Some people use a brush. The idea here is that for a long time, oh, you got to specialize. You got to specialize. And to some degree, that's true. You want to be very, very uh, uh, well-skilled at your given craft. But the art of creativity is not a unique province of any one discipline. And we as creatives can learn from any other creative. And yeah. so why not, why not take all of that in and get inspiration where it lies? Rob McClure, since I'm going to say your name because Garrett can't see you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, actually, Garrett, you were, you were probably gone. Uh, by this, but Richard uh, Lavenda, yeah, um, who I was actually just emailing with today, very, very lovely, um, back and forth today. But um, he, uh, <laughs> what? I know him too. Did you? So do I. So it's oh on the record. Oh my god! All the rice. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. Rice fight, never die, blue, gray, in the sky, stay in cheer, oh drink God. more beer, go, 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 rice. Caca! <laughs> caca, the caca. In all honesty, really? Is that what you did? guys are so awesome like... that rice should be using this as like promo material. <laughs> like, look at these yeah, no, from rice. No fucking joke, of course they was should. Was it actually caca? Because this no, time it, it wasn't like caca. Said, I don't know, I didn't Rob care. It was a like he said... 
I'm waiting till everybody's quiet. <laughs> back in middle school again, so, apparently. So, Rob. Because this time, so it sounded Rob, like you, you were, said. You were talking to Richard Lavender. Garrett. <laughs> Garrett, if you're going to interrupt me, I'm going to remind you that someday you're going to stub your toe on all those names you drop. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> this is why. This is why I love this collective. That's not a mic drop. That's a throw the mic against the wall. (laughs) All right. Jamie. Yes, dear. You were saying. That was not her husband, by the way. I'm married to her. You, you, were you done? It took two hours for this podcast to really get going. <laughs> These are the most laugh breaks that you're going to have to edit down out of this podcast. Nah. Well, let nope. it go, man. Let it go. Let it ride. Let it ride. What were you saying about the caca? Oh. <laughs> it's not a caca. It's an owl. It goes hoo-hoo, but hoo-hoo doesn't sound good when you say all it loud. I was going to say, all I was going to say was this time it sounded like you said, fucka. <laughs> fucka. That's my UNH representation. I just play a loon. That's all I do. <laughs> Nice. All right. So I was talking with Richard Lavenda. And uh, Garrett, I believe you were gone. Watch your toes. By the time this actually happened. But one one semester when Richard was doing um, composition seminar, it was on like creativity. And he had us read a bunch of articles on creativity from... He had us read the Babbitt. Uh, he had us read a, a Zanakis article, probably a um, like I, now I can't. Uh, the uh, so do we read Rockberg? I think we read the uh, a Rockberg article, but anyway, we read articles, and then he also brought in guests from around the campus that were talking about creativity. One from <laughs> the school of like theology, one from architecture, one from the sciences, one from like oh, uh, that's fantastic humanities yeah. or something. I have always wanted to redo that seminar. Yeah, you know, for a semester long, just get different Cute. people to come in and talk about creativity in their field because honestly. It's valuable to hear what it's, you know, what it's like from someone working in the sciences or working in, in, you know, like the humanities or something. It's so, so valuable. And I've, it's still like on my teaching like bucket list. I'm going to do this at some point because I thought this semester was so good in seminar and it it you know it was and richard said that he had he had done this before this like when he gets seminar i think this is what he does and because there are seven teachers at rice like he gets seminar like every only so often so probably did did you ever have this when you were in your yes. four years yes you had it Cherie. Did yeah but i was only there? a master student so i wasn't there that long but yeah what is the giggles yeah. about 
I have no idea why my la- my my wife just spontaneously burst out laughing. Uh, Garrett has a comment I think that's appropriate to this. I'm going to take care of my wife. Okay. <laughs> well, I we we never had a seminar on that topic. Okay. So that's all I yeah. <laughs> so worth it. When when and I think I was there before everybody else, but when I was yeah. there. Um, I was there for two years and I was there. Paul Cooper did the seminar and probably passed away before you guys were there. And then, yeah. and then it happened to be Richard Lavender the other year. We had a piece by Paul Cooper played at our wedding. Okay. What? Which one? Oh, one of the canons d'amour. Oh. So. That's lovely. Wonderful pieces. Yeah. yeah. My or- my orchestra piece, Warning Colors, won the Paul and Christiane Cooper Prize. Oh, are, are we just reading our so. CVs right now? <laughs> <So>. Yes. <laughs> I'm, so- I'm sorry. I-, I couldn't keep a straight face while I said that. It was- <laughs> rice. My-, my Paul Cooper story is this not quite as nice. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, and Jamie, yeah, yeah. if you want to just leave, that's Paul, fine. Paul we, was really got nice it from to here. me, and he had me as his, um, he had me do, like, some office assistant stuff for him, uh, make a little extra money, do those kind of things. But at one point, I went in for a lesson with him, and he said to me, where is the name Cherie from? And I said, what do you mean? And and he said, I don't, I don't like this name. Where is this name from? And I said, it's my middle name. But everybody's called me Cherie since I was a kid. I mean, my mother decided to call me by my middle name. And he said, sounds like a stripper. You shouldn't be called that. What's your first name? And I said, Cynthia. And and I'll tell you something. I was pretty impressionable at that time. I was pretty young. And that's that's actually why I'm Cynthia Van Manen to this day. Friends call me Cherie. Hmm. But it goes back to that moment of somebody saying, I don't like your name. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Very yeah. very formative. Right? Sounds like a stripper. Wow. Sorry. No, I'm not so happy that my piece won the Paul well, and Christian. Be happy Cooper. with your uh, Like I said, we <laughs> no, had his music played at our wedding, so that's more complicated <laughs> <Sorry>. now. <laughs> we'll reflect on that. Don't with our fifth anniversary Don't on reflect Sunday. on that. So, Don't reflect on that. But the, the it just, wood you know, anniversary. it just something that other women composers may have dealt with somewhere, some, you know, yeah. in oh, some that's fashion. Uh, I've sent us down a dark path and I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> well, I, I'd rather think about all the poop on the percussion instruments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want to revisit that? What's gross? No, no. Let's go to Cody. <laughs> I, I feel like we're starting to uh, to organically grow segments to our over drinks uh, now on what's gross. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm serious. <laughs> we need we need little musical motifs, you know. What's gross? And then. Wow, this is gonna be an editing nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Thanks a lot, guys. And that's why I don't ask what everybody's drinking anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Wow. So uh, I don't know where the fuck I'm going to cut this from.
But <laughs> isn't that Andrew's job? Andrew, wrap it up. Well, yes. Stop it. Andrew, wrap it up. Yes, but where wrap did it up, we, Andrew. Where did we start talking nonsense? Did that's I, that's what we need to figure out. Did I mention at some point that I've had like eight thousand blueberry wheats? Well, it was eighteen a while ago. Isn't that the so. equivalent of like two beers? Stop. Well, do we, wait, do we need a wrap up question? Is that what it is? Yes, or, or oh, comment. Andrew, you're on. Yeah. Andrew, right, you're so on. If, uh, if we run oh. out of a food supply, who in your family do you eat first? Oh my God. God, I only have the one dog. child in my family. That's not fair. I don't like my dog anyway. I'll eat the dog. Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Andrew's brother in law has guns. We're just going to go hunt deer. There you go. I like that plan. And his grandparents have a big field next to their house. I will grow corn and get big dogs to chase off the deer from eating the corn. <laughs> I have <laughs> rabbits sleeping. I have rabbits eating my tulips. I'd be happy to take not, them out. Yeah, not that we've been thinking about this at all. Because <laughs> our school might stop paying us. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, friends, it was another... Yeah, that's where you... It was another, it was a day. Weird. It was let's, a let's day. Let's just be honest. It was a day. And yeah. uh, we'll see you next week for our final, final this time, 100% final answer, locking it in right now. Really final. Final podcast of the season. Probably. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.